we see this confusion a lot too in like the indie game space. Yeah. Um, is is in essence indie devs trying to sell their games to each other, right? Yeah. And yeah, which really you're just helping the the platform in the middle take thirty percent of your money as you just move it around yeah. between each other. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 420 Blaze it. Coffee with Butterscotch, <laughs> the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the miscellaneous programmer. I'm Sam and I'm not a programmer. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today's June 16th, 20 Jubilee. Before we get started, we have a warning there's going to be profanity in this show and probably going to talk about weed. I mean, <laughs> at the very yeah. least, just Offhand, weed exists, like, everybody. Just so uh, you know. For, hmm. No, that's it. I was just saying. Just oh, that's it. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Very that's the whole thing. thing. Yeah. Just so you know, it's, it's there. Uh, uh, related to that profanity warning, I was just doing a podcast yesterday, and they had a similar kind of a thing kind of happen, you know? And one of the hosts just goes, or well, really this is for the parents, and then he just goes, I'm sorry for making your kids so cool. And then that was <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's true. That is how I feel about it. Cool yeah. kids swear. Well, they're really they're very cool to the other kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I That's think true. to the adults, it's just hilarious. Uh, yeah. yeah, or the most horrifying thing you've ever seen. You know, depending on your your worldview. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, also before we get into the rest of it, we'd like to thank our supporters over at MoneyGrab.Bscotch.Net. If you'd like to help support this uh, podcast, just go over there and. Uh, and uh, just you know, just leave your uh, banking details, wallet, credit All card. You know, just job. just just uh, open it up and dump it out. And if that seems like too and don't much, worry about it. Mm-hmm. Go wishlist Crashlands Two on Steam. Actually, there either you go. way, go do that definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely do that regardless because yeah. that part wishlisting it is free. Yeah, which is you know that's good. It just costs uh, a little bit of your time to go sign in and stuff, you know. And if you're not even willing to do that for us, I'm not really sure what's this relationship. What's this relationship? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel I feel like we've been we've been dragged along Feeling a little bit, a little neglected. Mm-hmm. So yeah. go mm-hmm. wishless crashes two on Steam. Yeah, I've heard that a really good marketing tactic is guilt trips. Yeah, we're I trying. Think yeah. It's, it works super good. Trying so. something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, you guys. Now because it's four twenty episode, it's we got a blaze. Yeah, and by blaze, I of course mean answer a lot of questions, and by a lot, I mean at least two. <laughs> two, yeah, at least two. Meaning probably two. Yeah. So let's get, <laughs> uh, so let's get into, Now, of course, there's lots of Crash Nets 2 development stuff uh, that we're in the middle of, but it's pretty in the weeds, and we're doing a lot of uh, wacky stuff, but it's going very well. So it's just, in the that's weeds. All right. Let's get into questions. And these questions come from our listeners at podcast.bscotch.net. And the highest upvoted question comes from Ziosak Viriota, who says... Ooh. My peeps, as an aspiring video game dev, I was told it was a good idea to start getting at least a few community members ASAP so you can start building a community for your game, uh, so you can start building a community for building your game with them. Sorry, I'm, I'm tripping over the phrasing here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're talking about kind of uh, a building in public kind of a... Yes, yeah, kind of so of instead of building something in isolation and then uh, hoping that people like it afterwards, but I'm having right. a lot of trouble getting in touch with people. I'm not an expert communicator here. What can you recommend to start building a community of my own? I think the first thing to say is that is that it's, there's a little bit of cart before horsing going on here, right? Yep. Because um, if you haven't made games before, and so this is kind of your first venture, right? Then then there's nothing really for your community to gather around besides your personality, right? Or yes. something that you're producing that isn't the game actually, but is some other you know game adjacent content. And like with, with, with an exception, which is if you're building a game, uh, so I've, I've really only seen this done a couple of times, essentially Forager and Stardew Valley. I've seen mm-hmm. build up a community around the game before the game was actually launched. In the case of Stardew Valley, it was there was already a community for people wanting a Harvest Moon remake. Mm-hmm. You could sort of and hijack so, one. Yeah, it was a hijack situation. Um, that's hard to do. And it's also something that we tried to do with Levelhead. We yeah. were like, we were like, there's no sign of a new Mario Maker coming, but it's a great concept and it's very hard to execute. So not many other devs are going to be doing it. Uh, we will, we will come in and bring a new game to this community. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you run the 
you run the risk of something like um, the game that you were making an homage to Mm -hmm. having a sequel release Mm -hmm. while you're making your game. (laughs) And then the community is not there for your game anymore. Well, and even even Um, deeper, you run the risk of misunderstanding what the community is revolving around, right? So like in in our case, in the case of Mario Maker, it's actually about Nintendo and Mario first and about Mario Maker second. And we had it. We thought it was the other way, which is why we thought we could basically introduce something new into that space. Uh, but we, can't. we thought it was a genre, but it's actually just a it's, game. It's an IP, yeah. right? It's not really <laughs> a genre. And yeah. and I think with like the with Stardew Valley, um, I think that was there was that missing hole in people's hearts from their childhoods, right? From like the game that they remembered, but actually not really the game they remembered. The way they remembered, right? Playing Harvest Moon is right. And so there was just a hole there, and it was actually a vibe that people wanted to recapture. It wasn't about the IP, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, th- I believe he was part of this community, right? When yeah, yeah, yeah. he started working on it, so mm-hmm. like, it's still a different thing, right? Because he was part of that community, and then like was starting to build this thing and then talking about it while he was doing it. Yeah, he, he's not paratrooping in, and being like, "Hello, fellow children." Yeah, you know, it's, it's really. Like it's, yeah, people aren't going to tolerate yeah. that very well. Yeah. People detect that in- instantly. Yeah. So, so, so you mentioned Forager. How yeah, that? so Forager had a different path, which is which was largely through um, itch.io mm-hmm. and uh, Hopfrog was the developer. Um, and we – so uh, I think we chatted with Hopfrog back yep. in, uh, yeah, in, back in South America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So they basically had a demo up on itch.io that started getting traction. I think it started as a jam game actually. Yeah. And quite a few played it and they start. they kept expanding the demo and they essentially just kept the demo up to date for quite a long time. And you could play the demo for up to, I don't know, like an hour or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and used that to sort of like keep enticing people into what the, the full game was going to be. Um, and that's, you know, that's really genre dependent. I think you can't like have a partial demo of a, city builder simulation game, yes. right? Because it's like, what yeah. makes the game fun is the fact that there's a thousand things. Well, if there's only 20 things, you know. Yeah, uh, a lot, and a lot of work, kinds yeah. of games don't come together until the very end in the sense that basically in that same sort of way as like, if you think about the simulation genre, if you think about, um, I mean, even something like Stardew Valley, there's, there's too many different systems that all have to be online before the singular experience of doing the activity is working, right? And so that's one of those things to watch out for too. So basically it comes down to, I think mainly you have to recognize what is the bonfire around which you are asking people to gather. Is it just the aspiration that you have for making a game? Because that is a very, it's like a, that's like a little piece of kindling on the ground with like the faintest little whiff of smoke on it. Unfortunately, your desire to make your dream game is only interesting to you. Yeah. Like no. Yes. Everybody has heard about everybody else's cool game ideas, mm-hmm. right? And uh, until somebody can actually get their hands on it and play it, uh, they just won't. It's just smoke. The yeah. proof is in the pudding, yeah. right? So, so then I think yeah, you, so. That, there, the, yeah, the community you're going to build, if that's kind of the approach, is going to be other early game developers who are also working on their first or you know first few things. And sharing tips and tricks. And there, and there are a yes. lot of communities for that. There's Reddit communities, Discord communities. There's tons of places you can go and it wouldn't be... Talk shop, sort and of. And talk shop, yeah. And it wouldn't be your community, right? But it would be a place that you belonged to, not that, I guess, belonged to you, right? Well, I think I think that's the that's the other uh, sort of trap here, though, too, right? Which is the, the idea that by getting into the technical details of how you are doing things and sharing those with people that you are building your games community. And again, yeah. you are not. That's because again, the, yeah, the bonfire you're building around there is actually the making of games, not the game. So I think in general, the best strategy is to get something out in a playable form that people that actually very particularly is designed with an eye toward allowing people to discuss things about it. And that's part of the reason why roguelikes are so popular. Um, if you have a, a game where, you know, every run is different and it doesn't take that many systems to come online before it actually is enjoyable to play. That's a very easy, that's just a very easy bootstrap for a community to actually start around because people can play the game like in the same sense as a Forager or whatever else. Like even if it's just a few hours of um, even kind of grindy gameplay, like on if it's a game that's up on itch, you will have people start showing up. Um, but I think the, the piece of it that devs miss a lot, even if they have those two things, is not even asking people. 
It's like, is there a link on your in the on the main page of your game on itch to go join yep. your Discord, for example, or your newsletter, or not? Very simple yeah. question. And yeah. like, if and there's a not, Discord is a Discord is the you know the easiest way to do it because you don't have to set up any tech yourself. You don't have to do anything. You just basically make a server, right? And if you're very early on, if you're just set it up nicely and have really good rules and and make sure that it's a friendly welcoming environment and you kick the assholes out, right? So if you do that stuff mm-hmm. very early on, then as soon as you start sharing your game in a place where people can see it, as long as, long as there's something about it that causes you want to talk about some it. people to come play it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the barrier to entry is so low for people to just like hop into a Discord channel because they already have a bunch. They're logged into it right now, mm-hmm. right? They're just going to click a link and be in there. Uh, and of course, you kind of want to see, like you want to, if, if you just started playing a game, and if it's on itch or something, and you're like having a good time, and it's like, it's interesting. You, I actually always, I almost always pretty rapidly click into a Discord to see like what people are talking about. Are they talking about stuff that I, like, is it cool? You know, mm-hmm. people sharing screenshots and stuff, or they, people talk about builds or whatever, you know. Yeah, um, yeah and I don't do it with weird games, but I do it with like all the, all the, the software web, libraries web I tech. use. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Every, yeah, like, I have, I, like, I guess I'm going to look at my sidebar here. I've got... Yeah, I got I've art got, channels. Yeah, I've got a folder of 10 different servers that are just like various web tech libraries, mm-hmm. right? That I just, and like, I just like keep a general eye on them, just kind of see what people are doing. Like all of them have like, you know, showing off the stuff they're making with the libraries, just Q&A kind of stuff, right? And it, I think I think Discord is, has over the past small number of years become a really common place for people to go feel like they could just dive right into a community without having to, you know, prove anything or know what they're going to be running into and yeah. whatever. So as long as you create a welcoming space. That, all of that said, you do need to keep in mind that, like, even if you do have something that, that people really like and, that, and you do manage to get in front of them because the, all these things are already a challenge, right, to, to mm-hmm. get something in front of people so that they know your game exists. And then once they do that, that they play it. And then once they do that, that they follow the link to your Discord, right? That funnel is really, really dramatic talking, yeah percents of percents of percents yeah it's tiny 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 and so so you have to also just be aware that as you if you do want to build in public which you don't need to do um uh but it, it can kind of help keep you going once you get a few people who oh, are yeah. into what you're doing you know so it's definitely not i mean it's definitely a, a good for your mental sort of life while you're working on the long slog of trying yeah, to <laughs> Yeah, although I definitely recommend being going and joining communities of people who are doing the same thing because that's going to be a lot better guaranteed out of the gate for yep. taking care of yourself, yeah. you know, um, because the, the community building aspect is going to be extremely slow, almost guaranteed. Um, and if we take it like our own community, like we – what did we even – we started with – we had our forums forever We had ago. forums, yeah. And I think that was yeah, like, like, first like 50, 50. Like 50 people in them had, or something yeah, like that. I, yeah, it was like – and that and it was, you know, it was 50 people after a bit. And we, we put it up, I think, after Quadruple's Rampage. So that was when we already had... I think so, yeah. We already had, like, a million people play our games, right? Mm-hmm. And even still, in our in our forum, we had 50 people, right? And then maybe, like, and we also, six it's were we active, right? We didn't link to any of this shit. We didn't link to anything, yeah. Games, yeah. yeah. So people had to really... You had to be really trying to, to find for it, it, you know? Um, yeah. But, uh, but even today, though, uh, like, if you go into our discord and see who are like our moderators right uh two of our moderators have been with us for 10 years yeah right <laughs> uh one one since quadrupus rampage and one shortly after that is my if i remember that correctly uh and they were Most they were been literally the first community time. members like they they've they were the first ones in the door and there were a bunch of other people who've kind of come and gone over the years right uh, and every once in a while somebody comes back and I'm like, oh, that name sounds familiar. It's like really fun for everybody, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, you'll, you'll have this cycle that you go through, but, but that those early people, like those are the people who are just interested in having actually like a direct, real human interaction with somebody mm-hmm. working on stuff. And there, there's a subset of people who just love being the first in the door, you know, as you start to share stuff they're working on. Uh, but you do have to understand that like, it's going to be a very tiny, tiny community that starts with. And, and if you do start to find success over time and grow that community, you also have to deal with the inherent conflict that that creates of like the old guard who were there at the outset. Right. Mm -hmm. And the new people who don't get it because they don't know literally every little fucking detail about what you've been up to. And that it's that itself is its own thing, you know, like it's, there can be gatekeeping or in in groups, clicks, you know, whatever. But uh, honestly, I, I think the thing that I just want to make sure we 
we hone in on is the fact that a lot of times people get overly focused on this aspect of game development. Yeah. Um, as as if it's a thing that you can really do. You can't yes. do it. Uh, so you so you can't to me, it actually, actually That's true. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of people talking about their like social media strategy. You say like, uh, how should we be tweeting to grow our Twitter following? And I I am 100% unconvinced that tweeting is how you grow a Twitter following. You grow a Twitter following by doing stuff outside of Twitter that makes people go, "Wow, I bet this person has something to say that I would like to hear." Right? Uh, so they have a Twitter. Yeah. So, like we, you know, we've kind of in the past gone through and looked at like different developers or different companies or whatever, and it's, you know, you can look at like Apple's Twitter where they've got several million Twitter followers and they have never tweeted. But, right. So it's like, is that well, still true? I, I know it was, it was at least true the last time. We it was true this, a few years ago yeah. and I stopped checking because they don't tweet. Like, why would <laughs> yeah. I ever look right? Well, yeah. You, um, could, but you can also like think about this for yourself too, right? Because if you're on Twitter, if you're not on Twitter, any of these communities don't just jump in there and try to start creating because like it's people can tell you're new and it's weird, right? Um, so become like part of the ecosystem first. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in Twitter or one of these other places, ask yourself, why do I follow the people I follow? Right. And there's a pretty good chance that the same kind of reasoning is why people would follow you. And it's it's very likely not, oh, I saw their tweets and I wanted yes. more of those. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like if, if somebody if somebody appears on Twitter and they just start tweeting about their really great game idea, right? And they're like working on this game and blah, blah, blah. And then like over the course of years, you know, they're tweeting several Saturday times posts. a day and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, well, ultimately, whether I actually buy the game is going to come down to the game. And mm-hmm. whether I join a community about the game is, is how much that game kind of hooks me in. And it doesn't have anything to do with what the developer has been tweeting, right? It's yeah. about like the rest of the players. Oh, yeah. Unless the what they've been tweeting ecosystem. is how you discovered like that the game exists and like discovered that info, right? So, because actually a lot of the games that I found recently, like Paleo Pines, I'm very excited about. Um, it's just like a, just like a cute, hanging out with dinosaurs stuff you know like it's it's adorable i didn't know this existed until i saw the devs posting videos on twitter of the game right because like which to me is like that's that's just an ad right um it's a way to like put the actual game content in my face right but if they just started talking about making a game with dinosaurs stuff like you're saying then i'd I've yeah, seen dev, a million vlogs. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, gonna... I think that the general point is that it's a lagging indicator of the work you are doing. So yeah. if you're trying to do it directly, uh, you're going to waste a tremendous amount of energy that you should be just putting into the game. And all you need to do is basically just set up a set up a nice, think like a house party. Okay, it's like if if there's if you're walking down the street and there's just a door open. You're not going to be like, ah, what's going on in there? I should go in there. No, it looks creepy. It looks like maybe if you go in there, you're going to die. Who knows? Maybe someone died in there. You don't know what's going on. But if you walk by and you hear like a bunch of people having a great time and there's like loud music, people are bopping, people coming in and out. And there's like clearly something's happening there and people are having a very good time. You want to participate. Right? You might take a peek. You might you take know. a peek or be like, oh, I wonder what's going on there. Or at least, yeah, yeah, take a take a moment, right? And so yeah. when you think about what you're doing with your game, it's like you want to have that, you have the music going, you have the setup ready such that when people arrive, then they can, you know, enjoy themselves. But if you're just like, if you were just opening the door to a house, it's just fucking weird and like it doesn't, it's just... It's not good, you know. It doesn't invite the right kind of. Yeah, well, stuff. this is the this is the, the it's the network effect problem. Yes, right? like nobody wants to join a community that has nobody in it. But if it, you know, every community starts that way, and so mm-hmm. the other hard part is kind of like uh, reaching some kind of critical threshold where you have to believe that you have enough. If you're going to be the one who's actually doing the work to form the community, whether it's like making your subreddit or your mm-hmm. Discord or whatever, uh, you want to try to hit a point where you believe that there's an enough people interested that when you finally provide that space for them to gather, that at least some healthy number of people will appear right out of the gate. Because mm-hmm. yeah, if, if somebody joins your Discord and they are completely by themselves, and then over the course of the next two days, they are still totally by themselves, that just that just feels like a weird like group chat. Right. <laughs> and that's that's like, why I think having again thinking about it where your your game is the thing people are actually trying to gather around. Right. Exactly. And Discord is like a space generated a little bubble around the game. And if you don't have something out already, then it is just extremely challenging mm-hmm. to do that. Well and and in so many cases, uh I, I would say for 
for all of the game communities that I'm involved in, none of them are moderated or run by the developers. Correct. Yeah. Right. Because like that's that's something that the players do on their own around your game. It's not necessarily something that you yourself it's to me it's actually it's a lot like when we talk about um companies being like, here's our revenue target for this year, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't just decide how much money exactly. you're going to get. Yep. You decide what you're going to make and how you're going to try to sell it. And then the revenue you get is like is an ultimate consequence of that further downstream, mm-hmm. right? So you don't get to just say, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make $10 million this year, or we're going to have 300,000 users in our forums or what, like, that's just the result of some other stuff that happened in between. Uh, so as long as you just focus on that stuff, making a really good game. And, and honestly, like, this is something that we have uh, gone back and forth a lot about with our designs of our games is whether or not certain game features or um, quality of life things or whatever uh, will inhibit or promote the growth of a community mm-hmm. right so you it's also think in you basically end up thinking about the game not just as a contained thing as far as like the code and the direct player experience but how supportive of community interaction the game itself is and that can mean sometimes that what you need to do is not put certain kinds of information into the game or like, not not so explicitly necessarily because yes. people like to figure things out and then share Swap stories with each other, right? <laughs> yeah, well, there's, uh, there's all kinds it, of stuff too, right? Because like, you can take like OG original Crashlands, which has way more players cumulatively than mm-hmm. Levelhead does, right? But if you look on our Discord, like yeah. Levelhead is by far the most active topic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the second most just active a lot topic more to talk is about. just yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just people talking to each other about random stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Crashlands is is like way down the list, right? Because yeah, they're like they're People like ask a few questions here and there about quests they're stuck on, That's but it's, it's it's just a, it's just a yeah it's just a Q and A. That's all it is, yeah. right? There's there's not the the interactive component that we get out of Levelhead, which is designed completely for community interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you have to keep those things in mind. But I do think the more the most important idea here, though, is just to take a step back from the idea that like you should be building a community if you're starting to get into games. Yes, because um, I don't think that that's true. Um, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's possible, honestly, um, because there's nothing, as we said, there's nothing for a community to gather around unless say, it's a, it, around there you, are, right? Yeah, there are exceptions, but not very many. So it's no. it's possible. There are exceptions, but, but not, not for it. you. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not use it as your Yeah, don't, well, as don't, your yeah, don't use exceptions as like your template, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I just don't think that's a good use of your time because also at the beginning, like we said, like it, that's, growth is extremely slow. The funnel is so tight that you're going to get you'll, – you'll be very lucky if you are able to actually get a few people early on, right, as you're just starting the process. And for most people, that's going to just be a bummer. Um, yeah. And so you're basically like by, – by focusing on community, you're sort of sabotaging your efforts to to build games if you're if you're new. The community you should be seeking is the one that can su- that can support. support you in the endeavor, yeah. which is, again, other people who are also early on trying to figure all this out. Mm-hmm. So that you're part of the community instead of trying to like create one around your game, um, and I think that's that's what I would do if I were starting anew. Yeah. Is just try to find people who can help me. I can help them. We can talk shop and figure stuff out. I would spend like an afternoon making two dumb nets. One is basically a basic Discord channel, and the other one a very basic email form. Now I'm not actually sending emails through because that would take a minute. But just like just to have it, and then I would have links to those on the stuff I was making, and then I would just be making games. Yeah, I wouldn't even do the Discord until I had enough people like signed up for my newsletter that I was yeah, like, okay, there's because that they, you know, again you don't want that like empty space that people pop into. Um, yeah, then use the newsletter to launch the Discord. Yeah, exactly. Because like, yeah, oh, I think it's nice. And I think I think that strategy of like broadcast first in a way that's measurable. Yeah, right? no, that's so smart. That, Honestly, it's good. Yeah, yeah, you're talking outwards, and you can get a sense of so that could also be a Twitter following or a TikTok following, whatever, right? But mm-hmm. like. Go go to spaces where people aren't joining into an empty forum, right? But where you are talking to people and it doesn't matter how many are there because they're not talking to each other. That's not the purpose mm-hmm. of that. So yeah, so Twitter, no, Twitter good, yeah, whatever, good. right? So start with that and have that be the thing that you link to and try to get people into as you start posting stuff. And like you can have a blog, you can post devlogs about what you're up to. There's all kinds of stuff that you can do if you're into that kind of thing to try to capture people's interests with the work you're already doing with like a little bit of extra work on top, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, but you don't want to make it so that the work that you're doing is try is actually just trying to build that community around something that doesn't exist. Yeah. So yeah. So start with that, and then once that gets big enough that you think you can build a group of people who can actually talk to each other, then create your Discord servers and whatever. Um, and the whole time, find actual game dev communities to, to support you. To support you. Yep. Because it's hard. Yeah. yeah. But bear in mind that that's just for your mental health. Those aren't your players. Those correct. are just other developers. Which is, and yeah, and you, we, uh, we see this confusion a lot too in like the indie game space mm-hmm. um, is, is in essence indie devs trying to sell their games to each other, <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah, which really you're just helping the, the platform in the middle take 30% of your money as you just move it around yeah. between <laughs> each other. Yeah. And there, and there, I mean, like, there is like, because it is the case that you need pretty small numbers actually to like juice algorithms and stuff to get things going, right? Um, and so that- Oh, there's value in the network. There is value there, it. but it's, yeah. yeah, but that's not your player base and that's not where you're going to find right. success, right? Right. Uh, but it can definitely be very helpful, and at, at the least for your mental health while you're because mm-hmm. making games is a very solo, quiet, you know, kind of isolating affair. Um, so finding people, whatever, can, whatever helps. You yeah. know. Uh, our next question comes from Chalosis, who says, "Have you tried other user-generated content maker games like Super Dungeon Maker or Meet Your Maker? I haven't played those two. Those both we, came out." More recently, um, we tried a bunch during level head development, but I don't yes. remember which yeah, one. Yeah, like Geometry Dash was the yes. one that really like yeah. popped out a lot. Geometry uh, Dash. That's probably the maker, most successful non-Mario Maker, maker game yeah, yeah. by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, I looked into because um, Super Meat Boy actually had a, I believe, had a, like an online platform builder component thing for a very brief window um mm. and then they shut it down so there's like yeah, we, we look at a bunch of these but we were doing that work but since then no yeah actually <laughs> i think i think we actually down- downloaded and played like 15 or 20 different mobile ones um yes as well because we were like well are there like how, how do mobile one? maker games work and the thing that we kept running into, which ultimately kind of killed it, because I also, do you guys ever play Neverwinter? Hmm. So Neverwinter. Oh, the Dungeon Maker thing. Right? It was like 2010 or something. Yes. And it was an MMO. Uh, it was an MMO, which had a dungeon. It was all about dungeons. So you could build dungeons that had all kinds of scripted stuff and like uh, boss fights yeah, and stories. Like you and, could, it was basically a game engine. You it's just, basically a D&D campaign MMO mm-hmm. with like mm-hmm. mini campaigns um but the problem is like as with this plus all of the other games we looked at is they all make the same fatal mistake which is they attach some kind of experience system or something mm-hmm. um that is pretty easily gamed mm-hmm. based on how you've built your your dungeons or your levels or whatever and then uh all of the levels or dungeons that they get recommended to you are 10x XP yep. farm dungeon or coin farm 3000, right? And so then you can't play anything fun or interesting because every level is just a min max yeah. thing, right? The so that like that informed have to be managed so carefully for yes, that kind of a game. Yeah. So that informed everything about how we thought about how levels and level head get promoted and how they move through the system and how do we make it so that like, even if somebody does try to do something like that, that it turns out to not Matter be beneficial yeah. to them or doesn't actually like contaminate the pool. Um, so that's where like all the stuff we did with exposure bucks and the marketing department and how levels like graduate and then get move recommended, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, it's like all these different algorithms we put together, which honestly worked. Like that works we, great. <laughs> we solved those problems, yeah. but it turns out that, that those those problems, for whatever reason, like people don't care. Well, no, <laughs> I, would, that, I would say they matter a lot secondary. for someone who's already playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have yeah. To, sure. You have yeah. to play in the game yeah. first, and then it matters. Yeah, it's a, it's that definition. The di- distinction between I think it's micros from no more robots. It's talking about like the hook and the kicker, right, for your game. Right, and it's right. very hard to distinguish between the two. And devs usually get it completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, a reason why our level head community is, is still fucking vibrant. active, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's wild. not a big community, but it but it's, it's highly engaged. They're doing really cool, wild stuff, right? And they made a whole the, campaign themselves. They made a whole custom campaign. It's awesome. Um, yeah, like d- they're doing wild stuff, and it's basically because <laughs> once you get in the door, if it's the kind of thing you're into, then you're not being kicked out by bad incentive alignments, right? From the whole community and the, the only real exception like the only case we've had any trouble at all is actually coming from achievements that extra layer on top of incentives yep. where 
And we were also really careful about that. We only have like one thing that can end up being used wrong. Um, mm -hmm. And even then, like somebody has to really want to use it wrong, right? Uh, and so fortunately, like that's been like the main cause of it, but it's been like one every few months kind of a person we have to kick, right? Um, or mute out of the system. Um, but we have a mechanism for that too, because we were prepared for that case of the incentives not quite working the way we intended. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, yeah, I should say, yeah, all, all the all the considerations we we put in, you know, they don't they don't get people into the door. That's not the hook. Like course, once yeah. we have people playing the game, they're like, oh, this is great. Like this solves all the problems that I had with Mario Maker or you know whatever else. Um, but yeah, that doesn't that doesn't attract doesn't people. And actually, yeah, and if you go back and look at like our our, cra our original Crashlands trailers that we did, you know, it's kind of the same thing, which is mm -hmm. like we spent a lot of time in those trailers, kind of like listing features that were essentially it's, it's like a slap chop ad right it's like hey have you ever had this problem well our game yep. solves it right like we have infinite inventory yep. and blah, blah, you know? um, which people don't play games to solve a problem they had in a different game Correct. they play a game because it looks fun and interesting and if it happens to solve one of those problems like oh nice then they're happy right? but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're not gonna buy. You're not gonna play a game just because it has infinite. Yeah, it's like inventory. it's one of the things. Like I like right. I hate inventory, inventory management. It's the number one thing that stops me from playing any game that I ever play. Right. Um, that said, even when I know a game is going to have inventory management I have to deal with, I still, if I still like the game, I'll still go play it like, until yeah, I get until I get tired. Of yeah, the you play shitloads, yeah. Terraria, Valheim, like all yeah. these things with inventories, right? Because it's yeah. like it's a thing that annoys you, but it's not. It doesn't, it doesn't matter when you make a decision about playing. Yeah, for like the at, first at time. Start. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's all about because, like, because like I have a group of friends who have been playing Valheim together now for like I played with them originally, and they've been playing like once a week or more for shit six months or something, you know. Mm -hmm. And I stopped playing basically six months ago because the last time I played, I had to like I had to like take fifteen minutes to like deal with inventory, and I was like, mm -hmm. and I just got so mad I couldn't do it ever again, you know. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. but and I knew that was gonna happen though because I'd played Valheim a whole bunch before that. With exactly. my wife you, at a different time. Yeah, that, that's, and that's I still play it again deep. until I got to that point, you know? Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, once, once you need a spreadsheets and an organizational schema that you need to communicate amongst your, your group to make sure you know which chest has which items and mm -hmm. why and how – then it's like, okay, this is, this is, I just, just want to go, I just want to go shoot chores. some dinosaurs yeah. and go into the jungle. But importantly, yeah. you know, like Seth, you were talking about the, the way we were framed, the original crash lands and stuff is it, and we talked about this a lot, frankly, on this podcast over the years is not knowing and not being able to pick an angle basically and stick to it as far as experientially what that game was about such that we could just communicate to someone. Right. Um, and so what fills that void for most devs, ourselves included, typically ends up being just a list of either features or improvements to problems that typically are deep in the play experience of that genre, like inventory management uh, mm -hmm. or whatever else. And it, yeah, it's like that just doesn't get people in the door per se. It just um, doesn't. It's yeah. interest. It's an interesting and fun problem. And this honestly kind of comes back to what we're talking about with like growing a community, right? Like there are things that as a developer, you're going to spend a lot of time thinking about that are super interesting to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that you're really excited that you've managed to like solve this problem or something that you've never seen solved in another game. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is cool and it is interesting, but to you, to you right. Yes. <laughs> but it just doesn't, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because people buy games on vibes. Mm -hmm. Like they, they go by the field, they go for, does this, does this like capture the imagination, you know? And so like, and even if they're interested a, in principle in the weeds, they just cannot have enough context. There's just no way for them to be able to yeah, appreciate. Because yeah. if you have an infinite inventory in a game that sucks, it doesn't really matter. Yep. <laughs> or in a game that's like uh, in a in a, an art style that you just can't stand, or in mm -hmm. a in a, a setting where you're just like, well, it has infinite inventory and that's cool, but I don't really want to play as a caveman or mm -hmm. whatever, right? Like I'm more interested in sci-fi games or something like that. Uh, so like, there's all kinds of reasons why it just doesn't matter that you solve this interesting problem, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so just try to you know make sure you take that angle but yeah so, so as far as like other i don't know user generated games that, that's where most i should say probably for all of us that's where most of our gameplay went was like in our research yeah and development phase for a level head um i, I mean they're, they're just they're hard like they're yeah. just hard to do and also if you're assume if you're assuming that multiplayer games are not inherently user generated because of course like yeah. anytime you're playing with other people whatever happens in the game is user generated because people are crazy right so <laughs> uh 
So if you kind of ditch that angle and it's just about like content. playing levels or content or whatever, then yeah. Um, our next question comes from Illegally Sam, who says, would you guys be interested in ever doing some kind of developer commentated speed run for one of your games? Whether it be something like one of those live GDQ type runs with a developer giving commentary with the speedrunner, or one of those developers react to a blank minute speed run of their game. Videos that have popped up over the last few years, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that kind of content and if, you've, and if you'd ever want to do one for yourselves. I think it's so, hilarious. So yeah. So I would say I would react, but I don't. I don't actually have the the knowledge about Levelhead to be a commentator because yeah, I programmed the game, but the our speedrunning community such whack shit for so long. Has, even. They've got names for techniques that I don't. I don't even know. Well, about. I think that's the Google Doc. There yeah. it is. Yeah, but I think that that's always true, though, right? But I think as like a commentator, um, it's it's less about. It actually is more about reactions and then like getting into yeah, some of the true. weeds, right? From your perspective. So that, mm-hmm. so that, cause I, I think it'd be like, I, I don't know enough about basically any of our games to be able to do this um, really but because like I didn't make any of them, right? I'm more peripheral than that. Uh, otherwise I would, but I would still have a good time like sitting down with somebody and like from what, what I can remember vaguely, right? But what I, I would really love to have like, especially with Levelhead, to have like one of our community top speedrunners just sit down with Seth so that Seth gets to witness just how horribly they can break the game, <laughs> you know, and like see his reactions in real time, but also see him because like it's, it's already fun. I think the same kind of test, like when things go wonky in any of our games, yeah. watching Seth's face as he tries to figure out why that happened, you know, um, it's just Seth one has of the all most fun. Literally has the whole code library for the game. It's all in, in his, his brain, brain. right? Yeah. yeah. So, so he's like filing... Yeah. Yep. It's like ruffling it's through hilarious. all the files. Yep. And, and then he'll go, oh, that's it. Yeah, I know where that is. Fuck. Or, or, if it's, <laughs> or if it's in development, he'll just go, don't worry about that. And then move on yep. to the next thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about that. So, yeah, I, I don't have <laughs> a blast watching that happen. Yeah, and, and I think Sam also has, has enough, like, in the weeds knowledge of, like, all Because I think speedrunning is weird because it's so technical, right? Yeah. So for that specifically, I think Seth would be really fun to watch that. Yeah, my main thing on the on the design side, which is like yeah. why certain pieces of tech are why they are able to come out of other things we were trying to do. Right? Yeah, like by virtue of having these coyote jumps, which is for this other purpose, then you know now you guys can do this ridiculous abuse of our package system or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I mainly I feel like I would just be screaming the whole time because it's just oh I, yeah I've oh, seen yeah. It, especially especially with the game like Levelhead which is fast like I think there's there's different ones with uh, I think I might have watched the I think it was probably there's a Hades one um, Hades speedrun thing it was like eight I think it's like eight minutes or something like thirteen minutes or some shit um, <laughs> and it's just like it's so fun it is fun to watch but like you know as the person who like very much tried to design an experience around it or made it I feel like most I'd just be sort of shocked and then it's just over before you begin and you're like. <laughs> That yeah, took me like, wow. four years to make this for you, and you just you just did it in eight minutes, and I don't know how to feel about this, you know? But to get there, they probably practiced for you now. Dozens <laughs> of hours. It's a Picasso situation. Yeah, it took them four years of nonstop play yeah, yeah, to do it yeah. in eight minutes. No, that's cool uh, yeah, shit. I mean, ultimately, I'd say that sounds fun, and I'm in. I'm willing to humor the idea, provided I don't have to organize such an event. <laughs> yeah. Like totally if I get invited, thing. I'd be like, "Yeah, I think yep. that, I think that would be fun." Uh, but yeah, no, no to organizing. Yes to participating. 100%. Uh, all right. Uh, last question. Wow, we we, make, we've done three and we're on to four. Oh crap, we really are we're blazing. We're really, True. we're blazing. Uh, comes from Kubra New Crag, who says, <laughs> "Who says this is a question primarily for Sam." <gasps> How did you redesign Crashlands 1 characters for Crashlands 2? Is there any secret style sheet that you used to, in order to channel the magics of creation into turning the Tendrom into not completely pathetic creatures? Tell me how you'd translate a Bamley into the Crashlands 2 style, which those are the walruses with butt cheeks, I believe. Yeah, they do. Teleporting walruses. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, teleporting walruses <laughs> with uh, basically... <laughs> Like drill heads that impale on the ground and then you can see their butt. And they also are electrified. Also, yeah, there's electricity involved. They're sort of a butt cheek walrus Pikachu mole. Yeah, we haven't actually had <laughs> we don't have any butt cheeks yet in Crash Lakes 2, which I'm a little disappointed about because there's some there's butt yeah. cheeks so f- everywhere in all the other So games. far nothing nothing looks away from the camera in true keeping with Crashland's aesthetic. Well I'll keep uh, this in mind. Because we've got some boss fights to develop soon, so 
Um, it was kind of hilarious. If we if have there some, was one, I was gonna say we have some butt cheeks. We don't like we don't need it because it's just butt cheeks. But I think we should also have a setting that'll put a little sensor bar or blur out the butt cheeks. Just, butt cheeks. just because that's hilarious. Like, For some reason, it makes it feel like it's, it's dirtier. You know what I mean? I know. That's why it's so fun. <laughs> um, yeah, as far as translation goes, so you know, we, we've talked a little bit about how the dev process for Crash 2 has been very different from the last couple of games because, first and foremost, we swapped tools for... All, all of them, except Game Maker, but yeah. every other tool. Yeah, and then also <laughs> within Game Maker, though... Yeah, enough, Game Maker's like, changed so much. Yeah, basically a bunch of things happened that essentially we're just using a completely different tool set, um, completely different art pipeline, everything. So um, the reality is that the style that I use now is the result of a particular kind of process for making the art that I've developed in order to be able to make all of the art as fast as possible for a game that looks better than the original Crashland. So it's not that there's a style guide, so much as there, well, I guess there is. There's just literally, if you do the, if you do a particular set of things with layer order in Clip Studio Paint at the scale I'm working at, you'll get something that looks kind of like what the yeah, stuff looks like as far as feeling. It's a consequence of the process rather than a, a prescriptive explanation of like what the style is and how things are supposed to look. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've always been fond of kind of the just more elaborate or more fun shapes and stuff like that when things are moving. Um, so I've been trying to push that a lot for this, this, this sequel because in the original, I didn't animate like anything. Oh yeah. Stuff doesn't move that much really, you know? Like, no. Yeah. Cause I, least, I loved yeah, like, hearing people's comments about like Flux's walk animation being translated into this new style was very funny because I was like, I mean, calling it an animation of the first one is generous, folks. Generous. Okay. Technically, it moves. Was yeah, what and I the first say. the first game, it's literally a uh, Flux has variables just for for the the intended direction or the intended angle for each of her four limbs, right? So it's like, oh yeah, my my. Back arm should be at zero degrees, and my fro- my forward arm should be mm-hmm. at 180 degrees. And, and so and like, she doesn't have is, joints, right? She doesn't have elbows or nope. knees, so just shoulders, no and hips. joints. Yeah, and so literally, it's just like at very like in in various ways of uh, as she's moving around and stuff. We just have scripts running that just d- dictate what direction <laughs> each limb should be pointing, and that's what creates the run cycle and the uh, yep. you know like even the attack animations, right? It's like just just swing the arm by just moving it up yep. above Which and is, then rotate you know, it down. Animation you know? in the sense it's animated, right? But it's not. Yeah. It's not animated from a drawing perspective, right? It's not like uh, what would I, you I would it? say it's it's a uh, it's animated in the sense that it has been made to move, but in the sense that it has been, uh, as you'd say, brought to life, which is what animation. Yes, is. it's a little less clear that that's what's happening, right? Because I think when you go to swing, if you go to swing a sword. And only your arm moves. It's not particularly bringing something to life because it's not. There's not like a lot going on there, right? Uh, so I think, largely, I think it's been an interesting thing is seeing people's reactions to the updated. I guess updated the like new method because really, actually, my focus has been on bringing the emotional intent of the game into every single thing. Every animation, every single frame, every design, whatever else. So what I mean by that is Flux's walk being kind of like the cornerstone for me of like what the game is supposed to feel like, because you're going to be staring at that all the time. It's kind of just like a weird, dumb, fun. <laughs> Someone just like, just tried real hard, but it, it is, I don't know. It's just, it's fun. Well, I just dumb. think about it this way. What would Crashlands 2 feel like if we animated a regular ass walk cycle into flux. Exactly. Yeah. It would it not would, uh, like Crashlands. No. Yeah. And plus, there's also something kind of interesting about the uh, perspective and the fact that Crashlands 2 is 2D. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was mentioning earlier, nothing nothing in Crashlands looks away from the camera. Correct. Right. If you saw a character facing away from the camera, you would it would suddenly shatter the illusion because like, wait a minute. Nothing else does this, right? Everybody either looks is always looking at like a like a two thirds yep. view, basically, or something off to one side, um, and and it and it somehow just always it just feels totally fine, right? But I one think we thing learned that kind of Quadrupus Rampage, that. didn't we, with like the enemies? Because like in Quadrupus Rampage, the Quadrupus does turn yes. around, correct? Right? Yep. And like yeah. Sam spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to like 
draw that from annoying. perspective yeah. and stuff. But the enemies just flipped. The left enemies just right. flipped right. And then there was one of those things when we talked people about that. They didn't even they hadn't noticed that the enemies don't yep. look enemies never turn different directions away right? from the camera. Yep. Yeah. So we learned that for original Crashlands mm-hmm. and then have done it that way ever since because nobody fucking notices that. Yeah. <laughs> that that's but there's cool. an interesting visual consequence of this, which is if you have something that stays stuck to the ground like a regular walk cycle as it's walking around, you will notice this more yes. versus if you have something that's bouncing. Yeah. Because something that's bouncing, you know, it, it breaks contact with the ground and it's rarely touching the ground in a continuous fashion. Mm-hmm. And and somehow that makes it feel more Oh well, yeah, because if you correct. imagine like, because otherwise it looks like moonwalking, kind of like sideways moonwalking, right? Because if someone's like doing exactly. a walk cycle to the left, because that's the only way they can do a walk cycle is to the left or right. And they're moving straight up, Right. Yep. It's just a weird you just, You notice. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And so we do that with, for example, we'll have like these little, you know, alien creatures that have like six limbs and they're like really flat on the ground and they scuttle around. And for, for those, it feels okay because we don't have like a, a, a good mapping in our brain for how that's supposed to look, you know, mm-hmm. when something is walking around like that. But if, a, if it's just a regular walk cycle where your feet aren't really like breaking contact with the ground and stuff, and then you were moving vertically – on the screen, but while facing left or right, it would feel weird. Really weird. And so it's like the bounce is, is, is part of that, you know? Yeah. I think uh, it really comes down to just like, uh, these, the, the overall spirit of the original one being so much about just kind of goofiness and feeling slapstick, even though we had no flip, we actually didn't like, we couldn't really do any slapstick humor in it, um, from a kind of more complex perspective, uh, taking that idea and like trying to just bake it into every single thing in this new one and that meant then yeah taking taking a different approach for the tools using spy and doing all this stuff but you'll notice there are very few uh, almost no slow animations what i mean by that is we're talking about walk cycles i hate walk cycles that are i think kind of what you guys are talking about is basically slow ones where they look like walking they look like walking and the reason i hate them is because one shitload of work Right, I got time for this. I, I cannot. It's a lot of work for a very boring thing. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> if I'm going to be doing a lot of work, it better be. It better evoke some response, not just get the job done of making it look like someone's walking from A to Z. Right. Um. I, I don't want to do that. So most things are fast. Also because smears mean that I also don't have to do nearly as much work. So the only times that I've like bumped into some stuff recently in the last couple of months where I've been like, ooh, is where. Someone has requested on the team a, a feature that would require slowness in motion for like flux or something like that. Because I just know that either my choice is either to do a bajillion frames um, to make the effect work. That are all or, almost the same. Right. Yeah, they're all almost the same. Yeah. Or to use spine to do essentially Deformers. almost like what was done in the original. Yeah, which is just like it's not really animating, but it's like you know, you're rotating, I don't know, rotating an elbow or yeah. something to like make it look like you're rubbing something or whatever. And I don't know. I'm just not super into it. Yeah. In those cases, we just try to, wherever we can, still default to doing some code-based animation where we can just like squish a thing or let it like kind of drift around or rotate, you know, uh, just because, like Sam's saying, getting those kinds of like rhythmic but semi-random small movements over a long period of time, oh, like brutal. animating that by hand is just, mm-hmm. it's just dumb. It's, it's just a dumb waste yeah. of time. Uh, well, yeah, especially because like in the game context, you, like you want everything to feel like it's alive, right? So like you want everything to be kind of doing something all the time, mm-hmm. right? But the sheer amount of of animation, the sense of like drawing frames to make There's that happen is, yeah, is astonishing. I, I think it's like, and when you do see that, when you see games that like go all in on that, like Cuphead, you know, mm-hmm. and some of these things, like it has a whole vibe all, like you can tell, like it's its own thing, it's right? And it's yeah. and it's super cool, it's super fun. But also, every time I played any of those games, they always felt clunky, you know, because because they cannot be fast enough. They can't, yeah, because because they're trying, they're, like the animations all have to get shown, right? And yep. so they all just take time, um, which isn't to say they are fun and great, because many of them are. But they're, it's a it's a inherent limitation of going all in on drawn yeah. animations and allowing them to be slow. Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question because it's a hard, it's a weird, it's a hard one to put. Well, I'd, on. I'd say it is, to me it's actually similar to what we're talking about with community building, right? Which is like in the case of the art, what it ends up looking like is a consequence of a bunch of process things and constraints and yes. tools, right? So like we're using Spine, we're using Clip Studio Paint, uh, we're using Game Maker, it's 2D, um, 
you know, all, all these things kind of come together to sort of create a set to, of It also has to work on, on any form factor, right? So like it has to be vis- visually as intended on a tiny ass phone or a big screen TV, right? Um, yep. Yeah, yeah so, so all that stuff kind of comes into play. And then, you know, the, as the art that comes out is, it, you know, if, if we if we tried something different where we said like, oh, yeah, it's going to be photorealistic and we're going to do like full 360 rotations of the character. Like if, if that was our intended outcome, mm-hmm. then we would actually use a completely different set of tools, yeah. right? And then the style would change as a consequence of the tools and – all of that. So just like with the community stuff we're talking about, you know, the, a community emerging is a is a consequence of of you having done a bunch of other stuff that a community can form around. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a community forms because you formed one, right? Yeah. You don't like start with the endpoint. The endpoint's the consequence of all the. Well, other that's also stuff. their analogy yeah. too, right? Because in terms of like being able to control it and that aspect of things, right? Um, like in retrospect, you can describe how the community formed. And when you do that, it makes it sound like somebody could follow the steps and get that outcome, which is just not how that works, right? And similarly with like looking at an art style, you could like work backwards and say, oh, okay, well, I can describe it in this way, right? Because of all these things, right? Uh, But that's not how it's actually being generated, right? Um, And so it's again, not the same. Or it's not how how you would get there. It's not how how you you would come to have generated that style, right? Because I think that's the the reality is that actually it's easier now. It would be easier now for me to port the creation of assets to another artist because of layers and stuff like that, where I could, mm-hmm. you can basically see much more about how the pieces are built. And there's actually a lot more like kind of locked in stuff, but yeah, getting to a point where you have that recipe developed, yeah. uh, is, is, yeah, that's the tricky part that I don't It's, kind of, it's like a game design document, right? It's like you it's, can either claim that you know it's going to happen and write it all down and then there you go, right? Or, and then be wrong. Yeah, or anytime we've had to write a game yeah. design document for anybody, we just look at what we've done and then describe yep. that, right? <laughs> and then send that <laughs> off instead. Yep, we designed it. <laughs> um, nope. Uh, all right, well, I hope that answers the question. Man, we got four done today. We really blazed it. Ooh. I feel good. Uh, a good so, 420. Mm-hmm. So that means next week we'll do 20 questions. Ooh. No, we, we'll probably still That'll, just do one. We'll probably do one. It's 421. Uh, That's just yeah. one. But this does mean, uh, you know, we're we're burning through questions. Get more uh, more of them onto the podcast.bscatch.net page because we've got tons of Crashlands 2 stuff that we're working on. If anybody wants to, uh, you know, know more about that, just like this question with the art, we appreciate those questions. So uh, ask away. Uh, and that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.